and welcome to Design Untangled with me, Chris Mears, and for once sitting next to me in real life <laughs> is Carla Lindarte. Hello. Hello. How exotic is this? Um, yeah, so to set the scene, we're sat on a very cold seat in Liverpool Street Station in London. Uh, at lunchtime. Yeah, at lunchtime, so lots of hungry commuters wandering um, around. So hopefully I've worked the mic out properly this time and we won't have to trash this <laughs> as usual. I hope so because it's very cold in here so I don't want to do this again. Yeah. Um, right, so today we wanted to do something a little bit different, be face to face and talk about um, something that I've actually been talking about a lot recently which is um, information architecture and navigation. Mm -hmm. So Chris, tell me, what do you think are the differences between information architecture and navigation? <laughs> Uh, well, navigation is just basically the way you help people get through your information architecture, I think. So in terms of what information architecture is, it's, it's kind of how you structure what you've got in whatever you're designing. So navigation is one route into that, but it could also include kind of how you get to it through search and other methods like that as well. Yeah, exactly. So a lot of people use those two terms like they were the same thing, but they're actually very different. Obviously, the information architecture informs the UI, the user interface, which is the navigation, the way you actually deliver that. However, they're not the same thing. There is someone, I can't remember his name, but he talks about that navigation is the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. And the information architecture is the whole kind of island, you know. Um, so. As a UX designer, you really need to think about um, how the content is structured, whether it's a task-based navigation or a content-based navigation. Because uh, oh, sorry, task-based task information architecture or content-based information architecture. Because there are websites where people are going for a particular job in yep. mind, so they're more like task-driven. Whereas the uh, websites where, if we're talking about only websites, um, they're just content-driven, which is like th this the company trying to push different content models for people. So you need to think about those two things and how to balance them um, in the structure of the overall site. Yeah, so that's not to say that you can only use one type yeah. of those navigations per website. You may, depending on what type of personas you've got, have one form of navigation for the people trying to achieve a task and another for you know the ones just kind of looking around for certain types of content. Yeah. So there's a couple of different techniques we can talk about for yeah. so, how you come up with that i mean it's always um you know it, there is a big difference between what are the users trying to achieve with your website or product versus what do you want to publish as a business yeah. or what do i want to have to say and i think as you said it's a good you have to buy the balance between the push and the pull you know because the, those two things are different things together but they the, the main fact for us as a UX designers is to make sure it's user-centered, right? Yeah. And for us to be able to, to make it user-centered, there are some techniques. Um, so you could start by identifying the you know initial hypothesis of what you think the, those primary tasks are. So Well, I guess even the starting point for that could be once you've mapped out your user journey, right? That's yeah. your first kind exactly. of clue as to what people are trying to achieve. Yeah, exactly. And that's from there you can um, pull out a lot of like what are the primary tasks of the, my users coming into this site. 
So car sorting is a way to include the customers or users into the definition of our information architecture, yeah. right? You could either do open car sorting, which is um, getting the users, once you come up with the same primary tasks or content types, you get the users to group them in a way that they think is logical. Um, and also they can also create a label or a name for that particular yeah. group of content. But it, it's very open and you just do it in a more like a face-to-face -face exercise that would be much better because as a UX designer you can listen to what people are thinking and you can understand a bit, a bit more about the mental models although there are online ways to do that as yeah. well yeah open car sort um closed yeah. car sort uh closed car sort so that is primarily a way of testing your I guess your initial design of the navigation so to make sure that your structure maps with what people would kind of where they would put things in that structure so it's typically the top level categories you would give people cards which represent the different types of content and then ask them where they would put that again it's useful to do that face to face so if they can't find a place for it that's a clue that maybe your labels are a bit wrong um, or they've got a different way of thinking about things so it's useful to be able to just probe their minds a little bit about that and yeah. get them to actually write down what category they yes. would put that in. Yes, exactly. I mean, you could go really scientific about this car sorting stuff and I've been in the past I've run projects where, you know, if you use um, Optimal Sort, which is that online tool yep. that you can run car sorting, um, it's good to have some quantitative way of how people think about grouping and tasks and content. However, it's very much more valuable, in my opinion, to do face-to-face, -face, even if it's with a smaller a group of users. The face-to-face, -face, the conversations where they're actually going through the group is and they ask questions to each other and it's really insightful because that not only helps with your information architecture but also um, what's the most important content that you yeah. want to have on the site and all the solutions. So, I think you could do you could do both depending on how much time you have and your budget. But I would recommend really doing face-to-face -face stuff. Yeah, there's um, quite a popular kind of Jakob Nielsen thing around card sorting. The the to be statistically significant if you care about that sort of thing, or your stakeholders do. I think it's five sets of five users, right? Before your kind of trade-off starts dropping off in terms of what you learn. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, if you can do 25 people great um, if not as Carla says then just being able to interact and speak to people can be very valuable as well yeah I've also done it like um, in the past I've actually if you're working in an office or um, somewhere when you have a lot of people coming in and out I've actually left the, the different cards on the corridor and then sent an email to the people saying do you want to help us group this content and yep. stuff so it's not if you don't have the time to do it face to face or you don't have the money to recruit users you can still do it with people around you like some research is better than nothing none so doing that is very valuable and i think more and more especially with time frames i've found that tree jack which is reverse car sorting yep. that's how they call it tree jack of reverse car sorting is actually very good because in a very short time frame you can test all your initial hypotheses so Let's say you only had a little bit of time to do some research and car sorting with users. You then have the opportunity to use a tool like Optimal Sort 
to test your initial hypothesis on yeah. the the structure of the site, um, and obviously you need to focus on where the pro more problematic areas are and coming up with the right tasks to get people to find the content mm -hmm. where you think uh, when you play where you place it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a very very powerful too because it, it could. I mean, I've run projects for app development as well as website development where we could test two or three different iterations of the IA yep. that we're looking at and the labels as well. Um, and then you can get insights very quickly and see which one is performing best than the other. Yeah, so in terms of thinking about how IA applies to search as well, the other thing you have to think of is not everyone is going to navigate through your site or whatever through a, a menu, a drop down. They may well search and then want to Kind of refine that search so i guess how ia proliferates itself in search results is through filters so that's another aspect of kind of grouping information and content that you have to understand because some people will prefer to search rather than browse mm -hmm. so don't just be constrained about thinking about your mega drop downs you need to think about the different routes in people will have yes exactly and different levels as well um, I mean, mega drop-downs, I'm, I'm not a fan of mega menus, if I'm honest, because I think sometimes, especially when you don't have a, a very clear governance process in place, they become a massive a monster yep. that is very, very hard to maintain. And there's so many options. So the more options you give to a user, the harder it is for them to make a decision. So I understand why, for example, retail companies and stuff like that have them. But at the same time, I think you could you could come up another way so yeah. people discovering your content that is not necessarily these massive mega menus. However, I know they're you know they used across multiple sites. If you think about website design, um, there, another kind of way that IA sort of surfaces that you might not necessarily think about is keywords as well. Yeah. So again, it's a it's kind of search methods that people might use to find content but you have to think about do you have the right keywords in your content to enable people to search for and find what they're looking for yeah. so it does dribble down to even your content design and what you're producing on the actual page or whatever it is that's really really important i was having a conversation with a content strategist that um i might get her to do an interview for us but she was thinking she was saying that if, even in order to inform information architecture you really need to look at outside of your website so you have to look at seo you know have to look at um, social media listening all these tools that allow you to understand what people are look, thinking about your product what they're actually talking about Yep. And those keywords, as you say, will inform the taxonomy of yep. the site, which obviously information architecture and taxonomy are, are so related because the groupings and the, the labels and the content structure that you use for your site is um, you know, a reflection of your taxonomy. So that's also something that you know, UX designers, we might not get too involved in taxonomy, but it's really important that we understand that concept yep. as well. Um, and work with content strategies and obviously tech people to see how you deliver search. Yeah. And the term itself, at least not so much these days, but you do still see it occasionally as it used to be you it used to be what UX designers called themselves. But now I think if someone rocks up calling themselves an information architect, you would expect them to be kind of very deep in this information structuring side of thing rather than necessarily doing wireframes and stuff like that. So yeah. I think it's kind of changed from being a generalist term for UX before UX was really a 
everything in the consciousness to now it's actually a very specialist yeah, kind of role. That is true. Also, like, just that just made me um, uh, remember that very recently I've been interviewing uh, a lot of UX designers, junior UX designers, and they all want to drop the word card sorting into their <laughs> interviews. <laughs> the reason why I'm saying this is because, oh yeah, so you can do card sorting. And I think if you don't, if you haven't done it before, it's better like you really research about it because it's not as simple as you know it could be especially when we're doing like website redesigns you really need to look at where to focus you can't fix all problems of a yeah. very deep information architecture um, with one car sort exercise <laughs> you could actually be doing more and more depending on the different areas so if yeah. you think about banking for example so think about like mortgages is very different to current accounts very different to everything else so you have to when you talk about car sorting, you can say, you know, I haven't used it before, but this is what I think it is. But a lot of people use it as, oh, yeah, so you do car sorting. But it's not yeah. as simple as it sounds. Yeah, it's about kind of focusing your efforts, right? So the example you just used, it might be a year-long project to sort out the IA for the mortgages section of the banking site. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, like you say, you can't solve all the problems all the time. So you need to show that you're aware of that and how you would kind of prioritise stuff and where you think it's most important to fix things. Yeah. Also, something that we need to bear in mind as well is that um, you don't necessarily have to have all the answers. Like, what I mean with that is that you could have a lot of hypotheses, still build the site, right? But if you build it in a way that is flexible to either change the labelling or change the structure, I think it's, it's still okay to go, for example, in banking, there's also there's always this conversation about, do we go needs first? So for example, do we talk about home buying? Yeah. Or do we go product phase first, which is, do we talk about mortgages? And there's not right or wrong answer, right? Because it depends on the mental model of someone coming into your site. So you would, you would potentially try and test and try to A-B test if you can, like proper A-B testing with multivariant tests and say and look at what's performing best you know because yeah. maybe people will be like with a task in mind looking for mortgages and they can't find them right but maybe someone is just looking at advice on how to buy a home so what, I, what I'm trying to say is that no you don't have to have the, all the answers especially if you're just designing the site yeah. but you have to have clear hypothesis of what you want to uh, learn with you know bold approaches you know yeah and in terms of how you come up with those approaches what's off the top of my head one if you've got a site with decent traffic one thing you can look at is the search results page and where people are just abandoning after running a search and not clicking through to anything that's maybe a little clue that something's not quite right there yep. in terms of how things are labelled and structured. Yeah, that is true. I mean, very recently with one of our clients, um, there was a, a lot of talk about whether people think about remortgaging or they think about switching yep. to a new deal. Um, where So we had to do a lot of research to actually understand how people think about that. So the bank will think about is just a switch to a new, you know, switch yep. to one deal to another. So from a bank perspective, you think that, but people actually, is, they're just remortgaging, where they remortgage with the same bank or yep. with another bank. So just doing some qualitative research as well is really important, like just in-depth interviews with users to see how they think about things, especially, um, you know, at the beginning of the, your redesign of information architecture is really, is really useful. So you can use those insights to inform the way you structure yep. the site or the section that you're working on. Yeah, we've been going through a remortgage recently and there's 
It's important to keep your thinking wide because we just used a mortgage broker, which is obviously another different type of user that may yeah. need a completely different IA structure and different kinds of information that they need to find. So, mm -hmm. yeah, as always, understand your users, understand their needs, understand what they're trying to accomplish and understand what they're trying to look for. Yeah. Good. Do you have anything else to say about the uh, wonderful world of information architecture? Probably, but my ass is getting freezing on this chair. <laughs> They're like these horrible metal chairs probably I mean, designed to stop homeless people sitting on them for too long, I think. But. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, we have to find a better place to do this next time. <laughs> uh, well, hopefully the recording's usable. Uh, so I'll let you do the plugs this time. Oh, I, I can't remember all of it. You are the only uh, one. Twitter, who... website, email. I can't remember personal them. Personal LinkedIn messages to you. Yeah, for me, just send me a personal LinkedIn <laughs> message. That's how I, I, no, I don't, I don't remember all the no, different things. Say, all right, fine. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we are at Design Untangled on Twitter. Individually, you're at Carla Lindarte. Yes. I'm less easy to remember at Chris underscore Mears underscore UX. Uh, we have got a website called designuntangled.co.uk. Mm -hmm. You can email us at contact at designuntangled.co.uk. Send Carla personal LinkedIn messages <laughs> by searching for her. Um, yeah. I think that's all of it, isn't that's it? That's all it is, yeah. That's all our stuff, all right? So we'll see you next time. Any, please give us any feedback or topics to talk about. If you want to learn more about car sorting, for example, we can do one just about car sorting. But yeah, if you have any questions, just just send yeah, us a and if you've a got note. any ideas of different locations which are really noisy <laughs> we can record these in maybe like car wash or something be good for the next one yeah that'd be really good actually a car would be very very interesting okay maybe yeah. in the summer though yeah all right maybe. thank all right. you cheers bye, bye.